You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. Come on. I wish it was a surprise for you, for me to say that I'm excited this morning (laughs) to preach the word of God uh, to you. It has been marinating with me these last uh, couple of days and then um, just again, just hearing what God prepared uh, in terms of these songs. And again, the songs were select, they're selected early in the week. Uh, and, and sometimes I, I don't say sometimes I pay attention, but I don't connect all the dots. And then I see how all of the dots are connected later. And it's pretty exciting uh, for me. Um, we talked about the love of God these last couple of weeks. Yes, and as I promised you, we would move on to look again in the goodness of God as we explore what God is like, that in the goodness of God, we would be looking at his love, and now we're looking at his peace. We'll eventually look at his mercy, his grace, and his forgiveness, but again, I have been, in the best way possible, consumed with the the idea that if we know what God is like, it will help us to manage our expectations. Amen. We'll be able to respond to him appropriately because we'll know how he moves and what he does and how he what he values, what he desires from us, how he wants us to interact with him. A lot of the mistakes that we make and a lot of the frustration that we feel is because we're not appreciating what God is like. And if we're going to be in relationship with him, we need to know what he's like. Why? Because it affects your worship and your walk and your work. Amen. Every part of the Christian life is affected by what God is like. And we talked about the greatness of God. And as I said, we moved on and now we're starting to talk about the goodness of God and the takeaway phrase that I want you to remember about the love of God. If you don't remember anything else, the love of God simply says, I can reach you. I can reach you. And Romans 8, 38 and 39 reminds us that God can love us through the unavoidable and the unseeable and the unknowable and the unreachable and the unimaginable. That's the love of God. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of God says, I can reach you. But now we want to talk about the peace of God, the peace of God. And we're not going to be able to do it, obviously, in just one session. Maybe it's two. Maybe it's three. We could go on and on about all of these subjects uh, for a great deal of time. But I want to try to leave you with a few key things about um, the, the peace of God. And as we look at the the life of Gideon and we see how things unfolded for him, uh, it plays closer to home 
for most of us than many of the other biblical heroes that 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 you see because Gideon was truly what flawed he was he was truly I want to say most like us he had a lot of anxiety amen he had a lot of fear he had a lot of doubt he had a lot of uh, uh, of questions for God and if I'm not mistaken you probably have a lot of questions for God as well. And what I love about Gideon is there is a reminder uh, in, in this passage of how God uh, reveals himself. And again, as we looked at, at verse 22, Gideon exclaims, ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And his expectation was if I see the, the angel of the Lord or I see God himself face to face, I'm going to die. Amen. But the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid. You are not going to die. And what was Gideon's response? Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. What I am saying to you is that there are several situations in the Bible where God reveals a name for himself and it attaches itself to a particular situation. Amen. And so he shows up. And gives you exactly what you need or uh, exactly what uh, you, you uh, uh, should be solving for in that exact moment. Again, you know, there's so many names of God that are that are in the Bible. And like I said, several of them are actually attached to, to situations. But but one of the first one is to, to think about Abraham with with Isaac and and him sacrificing Isaac, his son, and God telling him to stop, no, and then him providing that ram in the bush in Genesis chapter 22. And so Abraham began to worship, and he called him Jehovah Jireh. Y'all are not with me today. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. In Exodus chapter 17, when they were fighting the Amalekites and Moses was getting tired and, and, uh, and, and uh, Aaron and her had to hold up his hands. And when they held up his hands, they began to prevail in battle. And when they finished that, that battle, God revealed himself as Jehovah Nisi, who's my banner, the one that I look to, the one that when there's trouble and there's war and there, I, I don't have to, I don't necessarily have to fight, but the, the battle is his and I can look to him for hope and for strength. And then I can do my job in the battle because I have Jehovah Nisi, who is my banner in Exodus chapter 15. When you get to a place where there's bitter water in your life and then God's tells Moses to throw a piece of wood and then they get the water and it becomes sweet and it becomes able to be uh, drank by the children of Israel. God reveals himself there as Jehovah Rapha, who's my healer. And he says, listen, if you stick with me, not only will I deal with this water situation, I'll deal with every situation as we move through uh, this wilderness experience and get to the promised land. I will be the one who is your healer. And then in a time of trouble, in Judges chapter 6, when the, the, the Midianites are off the chain and how they're dealing with the children of Israel and Gideon is threshing wheat at the wine press at night because he's scared and because the Midianites have oppressed them to such great lengths. In the midst of trouble times, God steps up 
and he reveals himself as peace. And he says, peace, don't be afraid. And Gideon's response is, I got to worship not Jehovah Rapha, not Jehovah Jireh, not Jehovah Mkadesh, not Jehovah Nisi, not Jehovah Tishkanu, not Jehovah Shama. I got to give him another name. I got to recognize that I'm seeing another aspect of his character. It's now Jehovah Shalom. My God is peace. And I want you to pay attention to the fact that it's a time of trouble. We're not talking about end time trouble, which is the greatest trouble, the that those 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 very last days. But I would submit to you and I think you might agree that we are living in troubled times. Amen. We've got trouble in our environment. There's climate change and things that are happening that we haven't seen before shoot it's going to be 103 degrees on wednesday and there's some folks that say there's no global warming yeah there's global warming and we've got mudslides and we've got we've got hurricanes and we've got tornadoes and we've got wildfires like we've never had the we've got some trouble beloved in our environment there would be no one here that would be sane that would say we don't have trouble in our politics today so polarizing that it's, it's either or. Everything is binary. There's no middle ground. There's no place of agreement. Even if you can agree on the problem, there seems to be a place in politics that we can agree on a, that there's a problem, but won't even agree on the solution. There's trouble in the politics. There's trouble in the economy today. Amen. Harkening us back to Marvin Gaye's song, Make Me Want to Holler, Way They Do my life money we make it before we see it come on now we you take it panic is spreading i don't know where we're heading make me want to holler way they do my life the fed has raised interest rates over 400 basis points in the last couple of years and i mean inflation they're trying to arrest it but we've got some problems beloved in our economy who would argue that we have some problem in our relationships amen we've got problems in our relationships in our in our family and amongst our friends and whether that is original family or immediate family or extended family and we definitely have a problem in and some trouble in the racial relationships that we that we have it we used to have so much hope in that but the hope is diminishing because we seem so disparate in how we want to treat each other and the way we view things that there are problems beloved in the racial relationship we have in this country it's a time of trouble and in our communities mental health crisis like never before I think it's probably always been there at some way shape or form but we're just now starting to gain an appreciation for how much depression and stress and medication and all of the things that we're dealing with and going through have affected our community there's a mental health crisis in this country it's a time of trouble And in our communities, I would also say it's a time of trouble because we see a gap 
in leadership. There's, there's a very interesting phrase that is mentioned in Judges. It's mentioned twice, and it literally, I want to say it literally blows my mind when I read it. And I think it's, a, it's just apropos for this time. And what it points to is there is a gap in leadership. There was a gap in leadership the entire book of Judges, the last sentence in the book of Judges, and I hope you can appreciate this as you reflect on your life and your choices and our communities and our nation and our world. It simply says this, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's today. It was written here but that's today. Everyone either does what's right in their own eyes or everybody wants to do what's right in their own eyes. And the fact that they had moved away uh, and, and, and moved away from God and decided that they did not want God to be their king anymore. They went through this time of trouble when they said, we'll just figure out what's right in our own eyes. And when you have a king and you have a good king that can set the tone and there was a, there's good leadership, you have a better opportunity to try to solve for following God like they were supposed to. And But if you look at the history, even of the kings in Israel, You'll see so many that follow the Lord, but so many more that they says, here's his name. Here's who his father was. This is how long he reigned. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord. But in the time of judges, there was no king and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. A time, beloved, of trouble. And I think the part that bothers me the most about those times, and I guess as I reflect on these times as well, is the fact that that is actually the very definition of freedom for us. We just want to do what we want to do. And we don't want anybody to tell us it's wrong, and we want to try it, and we want to push for it and we want to force you to like what we do because I just want to be me. I just want to be free. And these are hard times that Gideon finds himself in. We're not even going to get close to even getting through this, <laughs> but it's okay. The scripture says in Judges chapter 6, again, the Israelites, I love that word again because that's, this, this is, it's a pattern that they fall into. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Duh. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared, prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, 
the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. At time of trouble, the Midianites came upon them like a group of brothers and sisters from the west side. They came strong. They came thick. They came from California and Jackson. They came from Madison and Cicero. They came from Chicago and Laramie. They came strong and thick. I'm just trying to help you to appreciate. They came in like your west side peoples to the south side and invaded. I'm going to be in trouble with Melanie later, but that's okay. She's going to be looking for me, but I'm trying to give you some context about how a time of trouble could be. Amen? But they oppressed them. They weren't even living in the homes that they created. They were living in, in the clefts of the, of the rocks and prepared shelters in mountain caves. They, they planted in hope, but just about the time harvest was coming, you'd look up like clockwork, and here come the Midianites and the Amalekites to take everything that you planted. They were patient. They waited. I don't have to mess with you when you're planting. I'll let you plant. I just won't let you harvest. And so you talk about this being an issue every time for seven years, seven planting cycles, everything. They ruined everything. They came. They were without number. They came up like a swarm of locust mm. but what i noticed here in these first five verses with just that one word again it makes you want to look back and see what is happening and what i can tell you about the children of israel is they have a disturbing history of defiance they have a disturbing what history of defiance there is this cycle of oppression that they go through and again what's so terrible ab about this about this time is that it didn't have to be that way in exodus chapter 34 god said this obey what i command you today I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perivites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Be careful not to make a treaty with those that live in the land where you're going. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones and Asherah poles. Do not worship any other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. He told them, don't be bothered with anybody else. Don't... Um, uh, intermarry with them don't don't rock with them don't worship how they worship i need you to do one thing and one thing only when you get into the land i need you to obey but there is this disturbing history of defiance there's this back and forth that they go uh um they do what the lord says for a time and then they decide that they don't want to do what god says that sounds a lot like you 
and a lot like me. A disturbing history of defiance. And what, what is driving that? It's our desire to do what is right in our own eyes. And we don't want to give up control to God. We want a savior, but we don't want to submit to a Lord. And that cycle, that cycle goes, if you see it in, in, in Judges chapter 2, as he says again, let me just show you the, the, the cycle. The cycle is, is right there in Judges chapter 2 and in verse 10, and it says that after that, the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. We could, we could double click right there and start talking about this generation versus the past generation and folks not appreciating where God has brought us from, where God is taking us, how God is involved in our lives and superintends over our lives. This generation more than any other, just because it's the last generation and we're marching towards last time, ha does not have the same appreciation for the God who loves them, who cares for them, who solves their problems, who shows up, whether it's to be the healer, whether it's to be peace, whether it is to be provider, they don't understand or appreciate Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah M. And all of the other uh, iterations of who God has revealed himself to be. And again, it's not as if he sets apart his other, his other attributes. It's just that in certain situations in your life, he brings to bear the, the attribute that you need most so he can solve the issue and the challenge in your life so that you might be able to respond to him in worship. And he's done it over and over and over and over again. And this whole generation grew up and they neither knew the Lord or what he had done. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods. This is over and over. This is a pattern. They provoked the Lord to anger. And because they forsook him and served Baal and the asterisk in his anger against the Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He sold them to their enemies all around whom they were no longer able to resist. And whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Times of trouble and then the lord would raise up judges who saved them out of the hands of the raiders yet they would not listen to their judges but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them unlike their fathers they quickly turned from the way in which their fathers had walked and whenever the lord raised up a judge he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived for the lord had compassion on them as they groaned under those who oppressed them. But when the judge died, the people returned to the ways even more corrupt than that of their fathers, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. They refused to give up their evil practices in stubborn ways. They did what they felt was right 
in their own eyes. That is a problem. That is a pattern that we see here. And here we see that it starts out with rebellion. It always starts out with rebellion. And then there's retribution from God. The just penalty for actions. God says, I got to get your attention. You can't just keep clowning me. Not when you have my name. Not when everybody knows you're my people. I've got to get your attention. So I'm going to bring in somebody to get your attention. And then what happens is they they begin to uh, cry out and they they begin to 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 suffer under the uh, under the uh, oppression of somebody from the outside. And then there's relief. And that relief comes because God had compassion on them. He said, I just don't want you to suffer anymore. So he provided relief. And unfortunately, the pattern is there's rebellion, there's rebuke, and then there's relief. And then as soon as God provides the relief, after a while, they're like, we're good. We're going to go back to doing exactly what we want to do. And the cycle starts all over. It's rebellion. It's rebuke. It's relief. Whether it's eight years of oppression to King Aram, and then you got Othniel for 40 years of peace in chapter 3. Then it's 18 years of oppression under the Moabites, and then you got uh, uh uh Ehud who gave them 80 years of peace. And then you have the Philistines who... uh oppressed them for an undisclosed period and then you have Shagmar who becomes a judge and then you have 20 years of oppression under King Jabin and then you have Deborah and Barak that give them 40 years of peace and now we get to chapter 6 it's 7 years of uh, under the Midianites and finally God raises up Gideon but it's the same pattern over and over and over it's rebellion, it's retribution and relief but the one thing that seems to be missing and might be missing from your life is this shouldn't just be relief, it It should be a response to God's compassion that says, I got to get in a place where there is repentance. Repentance. And when you have times of trouble, beloved, you need to know where that trouble is coming from so you can know what you need to do. What do I mean by you should know what the, where the trouble is coming from? Because you need to know where the trouble has come because of something you have done, self-inflicted, or that trouble has come because you're trusting God. Because trouble will come to your life. In this life, you will have trouble. You will have persecution. God said in John 15 and 20, Jesus said, if they persecuted me, surely they'll persecute you. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says, yeah, and all that live godly will suffer persecution. Amen. So I am, I'm I'm telling you, you can expect trouble. There will always be trouble times that will come around. The question is, why do you have the trouble? And if you have the trouble because God sent the trouble and God sent it as either a test or he sent it because he wants you to stand for, for, for truth or there's a trial he wants you to remain but if it's self-inflicted because of trespass God wants you to repent and here in Judges chapter 6 I can assure you the trouble that the Israelites were having over and over and over was self-inflicted and God wanted them to repent and to return to him now Here is something that's pretty darn 
exciting. Whether your trouble is self-inflicted or not, the God of peace will still show up. Amen? I got to tell you, that's good news. Because a lot of the trouble that I've had in my life has been self-afflicted trouble. It's not because I'm standing for truth and have made some choice for God and, and I'm, I'm separated and I lost a job or an opportunity or something happened to me because I'm standing for truth. It hasn't been a trial where God is, is training me. It's, it's usually the trouble I have is because I've been hard-headed and I want to do only what I want to do. And, and God says, you can make that choice, but I still control the consequence. Amen. It's not because there was a, a trial like Job where it was something in the heavenlies between God and Satan. And Job was described as someone who was blameless before the Lord. He didn't do anything wrong. All he did was live his life the way God had instructed him to. And he had trouble. He got banged harder than anybody got banged. That's not the trouble I've seen in my life. The trouble I've seen in my life is more consistent with the trouble the children of Israel had when they decided to do what they wanted to do. And they had some self-inflicted trouble. Amen. That's the trouble that I've seen mostly in my life. But I am still excited today because in the midst of even that kind of trouble, God will show up and he will show up and bring to bear the attributes that you need most in a time of trouble and that is God is peace just like in Mark chapter 4 when Jesus got up from the bottom of the boat and the wind and the and the, and the rain was 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 at a, at a high and there was a storm and the and the disciples said to him master careth thou not that we perish and he simply stood up and spoke to the wind and the waves and said peace be still and he can speak to the wind and the waves in your life and show up as the God of what Peace. Listen. <laughs> Listen. I'll just tell you one thing. And as the Baptist ministers will tell you, and then I'm going to take my seat. So, you know, we got at least 20 more minutes before I take my seat. Three closings. Yes, amen. Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. That's what it says in verse uh, 12, 11, excuse me. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty Warrior. Now, I'm sure when Gideon heard that, he said, is he talking to me? The reason I am threshing wheat in a wine press at night is because I'm trying to hold just these few little scraps 
Because these Midianites and these Amorites have sucked everything from us. If they catch me harvesting and threshing the wheat and turning it, you know, to, into usable grain to eat, they're going to come and snatch it. As a matter of fact, I bet you when Gideon heard the voice that says the Lord, he was like, oh, gosh, one of the Midianites and found out that I'm threshing this wheat. He was probably relieved that it wasn't somebody that was coming to snatch just the little remainder that he had. Amen. You know how it is when you when you go to the grocery store and you bought some snacks just for you. And you weren't counting on a bunch of folks coming over to the house later. People, you know, people you love. Maybe people in your family, maybe not. But you had just bought those snacks, those, 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 those Tate's oatmeal cookies. Or, 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 or those popsicles or whatever else. And then people that you weren't expecting to come over, come over. And say, what do you have? Oh, you got snacks or people that you know that automatically already go into your cabinets. So they know and they find it and you can't tell them no. But it's like, God, darn it. I wasn't trying to share. That's how Gideon was. He's like, this is my little week. This is my little stuff because they have taken everything else from me. They've taken everything else from my people. And the angel of the Lord shows up and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon, just like us, and we won't even finish this point, but Gideon, just like us, had a bunch of questions for God when God showed up. He said, but sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where are all, ooh, he getting ready to get in the slap zone. Where are all of his wonders? When they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has, ooh, abandoned us and put us in the hand of Midian. Before God can move in your life, I just want to tell you this. When the God of peace shows up, he will first reveal your favor. When the God of peace shows up, he will reveal your favor you don't hear me today he'll show up and reveal your favor and Gideon was like you're not talking to me I'm not a mighty warrior Gideon even said my tribe is the least my clan is the least in my tribe and I'm the least in my house and what God is really saying is when he says hey listen to me Gideon I want to talk to you the Lord is with you mighty warrior and so again if the Lord is with you you have to understand when God shows up he'll show you who you are through his eyes not who you are through your circumstances not who you are in your surroundings not who you are as your history has revealed itself to be you better believe what God says about you who are you going to believe are you going to believe the God who's with you the God of peace or are you going to believe your lying circumstances you better believe the truth of God until your circumstances change that's what I came here to tell you today you better believe the truth of God what God says about you is true when God says you're a mighty warrior guess what you're a mighty warrior you said I haven't seen any circumstances that'll show me I'm a mighty warrior he says you don't need to worry about it because the God of peace is here and when I show up I show out and I will reveal your favor to you and you better believe me instead of your lying circumstances 
because I see something in you that you don't even see in yourself. How I've created you, how I've built you, how I've redeemed you, how I've blessed you. And I need you to be that person because I'm going to need you to do a job. But you better believe who you are first. And I know you're going to ask a bunch of questions. And God is so patient. When you ask a bunch of questions, God will give you a bunch of answers. But when the God of peace shows up, he shows up in such a way that he first and foremost reveals your favor. Are you going to believe the truth of God? Or are you going to believe your circumstances? Because you can say if. If I am who God says I am, then why don't I have a job? If God is, if I am who God says I am, then, then why do I have so many broken relationships? If God, if I am who God says I am, why am I still waiting for a spouse? If I am who God says I am, why am I going through foreclosure? Why can't I get my business off the ground? If I am who God says I am, why do I have these health challenges in my life? You have to understand that you are who God says you are regardless. And the trouble that you have in your life, hopefully it's not based upon trespass. It's because he, he's trying to build something in you. He's trying to show you something. He's trying to grow something in you. And he needs you to remain and to be responded to him so that he might bless you beyond measure that he might reveal to you who you are so that you might do a job for him that might give him glory and he will talk to you in such a way that you can repent if your circumstances dictate that you need to so you can get back on the same page with him Those of us who grew up in the 70s, there was something very powerful that happened as part of the civil rights experience. And it is the one thing for sure that I can attribute to the Reverend Jesse Jackson that has a lasting legacy. At that time and at a time when everything about black was negative, everything about black was dark, black magic and being black bald, everything that had something to do with black was bad. Jesse Jackson told us and reminded us that black is beautiful. Amen. And maybe today for younger people that doesn't resonate with you as much because we moved to a place where we can understand that. But at that time, it was very powerful to be able to say black is beautiful and to say this other thing, which is I am. Come on, somebody. I am somebody. I may be brown. I may be black. Jesse used to say, but I am somebody. I used to have a poster in my room as a young man that said, black is beautiful. And I had another one that said, I am somebody. And you have to believe what you truly are, the truth that's been revealed. Black people have always been beautiful. 
Amen. We've always been somebody. We haven't had circumstances that lined up with that, but we had to believe the truth. And once we began to believe it, then we began to achieve it. We began to see it. And there been, we've seen some movement and progress in that area. It's the same thing. When God shows up in your life in the midst of trouble, he will reveal your favor. He will reveal how he sees you, not how you see yourself or even how your circumstances are. And you need to believe what God says about you because once you do that you can begin to receive what God has for you and respond to him in faith and do the job that he's called you to do which is to give him glory despite troubled circumstances